Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. Um, again, my name's Will Plunk, and I get the privilege of serving as the lead pastor. Turns out y'all look good even the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, so congratulations. Um, I am really glad, glad to be with you and looking forward to uh, this, new, this new series uh, we are beginning. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be looking chiefly at verse 3 of chapter 5 of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, that, that word, that if you are looking at your Bible, that's the heading, and that just comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessing. So it is nine blessings. These nine blessings that Jesus gives right here at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is really his most famous teaching in the Bible. So if you're like, what does Jesus think about things? You start in Matthew chapter 5, you read through chapter 7, you get three chapters of just what Jesus thinks about really everything or a lot of things. And you'll see how he is describing what the kingdom of God is like. In a lot of ways, it's his kingdom manifesto. It's his presentation to us of, hey, you want to know how things operate when I'm in charge? Sermon on the Mount. You want to know what I think about things? You want to know how to relate to outsiders? You want to know how to think about judgment? You want to think about oaths and sexuality and a bunch of different stuff? Sermon on the Mount. It's right here. But he begins with these nine blessed statements. And as you heard it read you can kind of tell it's going to be different. Like what Jesus says is blessed is real different than the way the world would typically look on a condition and call it blessed, isn't it? Like he says blessed are those who mourn. And you're like, man, I just can't wait to mourn. You feel like that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You're like, yes, that's what I want to be. I don't know. But that's what he says nevertheless. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to kind of get a couple of, <laughs> for a while, get some, get some uh, gut punches as we see what uh, Jesus has to say about those who are blessed. Um, I got one point, one point only today, but it doesn't mean I ain't going to go 45 minutes because you know me. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I got one point, one point only today, and it's this. And so I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to pray. It's, this, is, this is my hope. This is my prayer. This is my point, is that we would recognize and embrace our poverty in spirit, that we might reach out for some godly government assistance. Amen? That we might recognize and embrace our poverty in spirit, that we might reach out for some godly government assistance the kind that only comes from the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, God, we do come before you this morning, and I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what you do. You are the third person of the Godhead, and you convict, you reveal, you penetrate into our heart and mind. You make us aware of things we would never be aware of if there was not a real God who is speaking and revealing Because you're omniscient and omnipresent, you have the ability to speak uniquely and individually to everybody in this room at the same time. At the exact same time, you can make your word specific 
to our particular situations and seasons and difficulties and hardships and sin struggles, fears and doubts, you can do that. And so we ask you would. We ask you would, Jesus. All God's kids said, amen, amen, and amen. Turns out you're not going to be surprised, but there are, um, there's no end to the amount of resources you can find on how to get rich. Literally, if you Google how to get rich, the Google search is unlimited. I mean, you got videos, you got YouTubes, you got podcasts, you got books. Here are a couple of books. Um, 12 months to a million dollars. You think we'd all be there then? It only takes 12 months. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, some of y'all read that one. Million Dollar Habits, Think and Grow Rich, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. There's no end, really, again, to the resources you can find on how to be rich. But here's another thing that probably won't surprise you. There's not a lot of resources on how to be poor. How to become a poor. Not a lot out there. I found one book. I want to read you the little synopsis of it because I found it interesting. It literally is called um, On How to Be Poor. This is the author's synopsis. He says, recently I became poor. It's disgusting. <laughs> he says, and it means, this is literally in there, and it means God loves me less than he loves you. I know my tragic penury won't last forever, but in case you too have been fired for something you said, deplatformed for something you believe, or just abruptly cut off from your trust fund, this book will explain how to navigate life when you're unexpectedly yanked from privilege and told to earn a living. Who needs that one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, what do you got to do now? You know what I'm saying? I got to live a life? Can be regular? There's not a lot of resources out there because most of us are not pursuing poverty. Most of us are like, you know what, I want to be deplatformed. I want to be stripped from privilege. I want to have less than I have. Most of, that's not most of our orientations. That's not how we wake up thinking, strategizing, moving, shaping our life, trying to feel like we don't move towards that direction. Yet Jesus begins his kingdom manifesto and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Some of you, that feels more comfortable than if it would have just said poor. And if so, just go ahead and read Luke's account. Because there he just says, blessed are the poor. And you go, dang. But it is more than material poverty what we're talking about right now. We're talking about a poverty in spirit. That word poor just simply means lacking resources, wealth, position, or privilege. It also could be translated beggar. So it could have said, blessed are the beggars in spirit. Those who are so poor, they literally are asking people regularly to give them something that they cannot get themselves. Blessed are the beggars in spirit, it could say. The word spirit, though, is the influence or disposition which fills and governs the soul of a person. The soul is the vital principle which animates the body for, so that the heart might feel, the mind might think, or the hands might do. Let me say that one more time. The spirit is the disposition or influence that fills and governs the soul of a person. 
The soul is the vital principle through which the body's animated so that the heart might feel, the mind might think, the hands might do. So when Jesus begins his kingdom manifesto and wants you to know what the, what, what the condition of blessedness should be, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are lacking in the totality of themselves. That their heart and the way they feel, their affections, lacking. Their mind, how they think and formulate conclusions, deficient. That literally how they live, how they do, their willpower to accomplish anything in the world, abysmal. He says, that's the condition of blessedness. Isn't that kind of crazy? Blessed are you when your life is lacking, when your disposition is destitute, when your whole body and all of you is bankrupt. Is that how you want to be? Y'all get poor today? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, nah, I still ain't there. Jesus says, blessed, but I don't know about this. But yet Jesus begins, and literally he says, blessed, again, are the poor in spirit. Some of you grew up in churches and places where that word blessing was a very common thing to think about and ask God for. And some of you grew up in places where that word bless me was something you ran from like the boogeyman because you feel like it meant health, wealth, and prosperity. But here's what I want you to know today is Jesus begins his kingdom manifesto and he says, blessed, 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 blessed. He says, I want you to be a blessed person. But here is the thing that's interesting as he says, the type of condition in which I'm going to call blessed is going be completely backwards from what the world says. What I'm going to say is blessed and good and you want to be is the opposite of what the world says. So again, this is not one of those sermons where we're going to get a lot of amens and talking back. You can kind of feel it already. It just ain't going to be that way. It's one where we're praying that the Holy Spirit would do what only he can do, which is to, to really convict our hearts and to reveal some places, I think, of incongruency with how many of us are walking out this walk of the Christian life. Because I don't know about you, but I don't naturally identify as poor in spirit, destitute in my disposition. My whole life is lacking. There is, um, there's a man who is, who's often standing outside of my neighborhood turning off across county on the Dorchester right there. And you look at him and you can tell right away that he's poor, probably homeless. But in case you were to wonder, he has a sign. And usually, again, it's gonna, it says something to, hey, I'm homeless and could use any help. And so in case you're curious about his situation, about how he looks, he has a sign so he can hold it right there that you might know. Not only that, but oftentimes he's going to walk closer to your car. And I don't know what you do when somebody's like that. Someone walking to your car with a sign, clearly in a situation of need, or at least presenting that way. Sometimes you just turn up the radio, look the other way, scour through your car. You got any change? Got nothing. What Jesus begins his kingdom manifesto and says, blessed are those who look at a man like that's physical situation and realize that it is an illustration of their spiritual condition. Blessed are those who would gaze upon the poor, destitute beggars and to realize 
that they in the physical reflect how we are to be in the spiritual. Realizing we're lacking in every kind of way, we need a sign to hold out that somebody might intervene on our behalf. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. When your mind is so messed up that you literally cannot reason or come to the intellectual conclusions necessary for you to achieve what you want to achieve in this world. When you are awake, just trying to formulate conclusions to your problems in the middle of the night because you think, if I, get up, if I can wake up, if I can stay awake a little bit longer and I can think a little bit more, maybe I'll be able to do it. He says, blessed are you when you realize that your mind will never be able to deliver you. Blessed are you when you realize your EQ is miscued. Your emotional and relational intelligence are not sufficient enough for you to be able to behave the way you need to behave, to make the connections you need to make, to be able to have the community that you thus desire so that you can satisfy your deep desire of loneliness. Blessed are you when you realize that you cannot build the relationships you need to build to have the community that you need. Blessed are you when you realize you're lonely. Poor in spirit, the totality of yourself is lacking. Blessed are you when you realize your self-control and self-discipline is sickly. That you can fight that temptation. You can fight that burden. But over time, what will inevitably happen is that that sin is going to break in. Blessed are you when you realize that there's a reason you gossip. There, there is a reason you're struggling with pornography. There is a reason why you're engaging in sexual acts you shouldn't engage in. Blessed are you when you realize your self-discipline is sickly. What, Pastor? Blessed are you when you realize your faith is fragile. Blessed are you when you realize you're prone to doubt and to disbelieve the promises of God, that you cannot even in have enough faith. Like, like faith is intended to be to just demonstrate the grace of God, but you realize you can't even have enough faith to believe the thing. You just have to believe and you can't even do that, blessed are you. You realize your discipline is decrepit, your work ethic is weak. Blessed are you when, you when you realize that no matter how hard you strive, you'll never be able to read your Bible enough. You'll never be able to do the evangelism enough. You'll never be able to attend church enough. You're never going to be able to do all the spiritual goals you have in your life. No matter how hard you strive, you'll never be able to do it. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. Why? Why? Would such a condition be labeled as blessed? Well, I think we got to look to um, one of my favorite theologians, Toby Nwigwe, who none of y'all even know who he is, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whoever knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, anyways, he's a, he's a rapper. He's one of my favorite best lyricist bars like on days, right? But he, he got a line that goes like this. He goes, I want to give you something way more tangible it's hard to get your gift from God when both your hands is full. Okay, Ra. That's right. Ra knows. Ra knows in the back. Let me say it one more game, Ra. Don't interrupt me this time. <laughs> I want to give you something way more tangible. It's hard to get your gift from God when both your hands is full. In other words, when your hands are like this and you're holding on to everything you can hold on to, you can't receive from God. 
You're not going to be able to receive from God until you let go of what's in your hands so that your hands are open so that you can receive the blessing that God will want to give you. Here's another way to say it. You can't get blessing from God when you fool on yourself. Let me say it again for those of y'all in the back. You cannot get a blessing from God when you are full on yourself. And I believe that many of us are not poor in spirit because we are busy dining on self. Our mind is so preoccupied with our own thoughts that there is no room for God to bust in. I mean, not to mention our schedules. We don't even want to talk about our schedules, do we? We don't even want to talk about how busy, because, like, again, we middle class, we about to get there in the middle class. Like, like we all busy. Who ain't busy? No, no, everybody busy, right? Our, our, our priorities and our schedules are so busy that there is no room for God. We are so motivated by our own pleasures that the idea of saying what Psalm 90 says, satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love, is a foreign concept because we're too busy trying to find pleasure in whatever we can find pleasure in. We ain't looking to God to satisfy us in the morning. Does our morning begin anticipating that we will find no pleasure or joy or satisfaction without going like this and saying, God, please help me? Or does it begin going, okay, what do I got to do? Where's my list? Where's my agenda? And let me just get on to get on. It's hard to get your gift from God when both your hands is full. B says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Let Let me hit you with a quote from Tim Keller on this beatitude. In spirit. I want you to hear this because this is, I feel like this is, you go, why, why are we not living into our poverty in spirit? This, this is why. It's from a book called Generous Justice. This is a great book. Poor in spirit means to see that you are deeply in debt before God and you have no ability to even begin to redeem yourself. God's free generosity to you at infinite cost to him was the only thing that saved you. What if, however, you aren't poor in spirit? That would mean you don't believe you are so sinfully, morally bankrupt and lost that only free grace can possibly save you. You may find the classic Christian doctrines about humanity's deep sin and lostness to be too harsh. On the contrary, you believe that God owes you some things. He ought to answer your prayers and to bless you for the many good things you've done. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term, this is what I want you all to hear. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term, by inference, we can say that you are middle class in spirit. You feel that you've earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. You also may believe that the success and resources you have are primarily due to your own industry and energy. I wonder... If just like many of us would not identify with being rich, I, some, somehow I never meet a rich person. Everybody's always middle class. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't, I don't know where they are, but none of them identify as rich. Everybody middle, I don't know how big the middle class is, but somehow none of us in this room are rich, right? We always middle class. I wonder if just like none of us would really identify with rich, we wouldn't identify with being rich in spirit, but I wonder if we would actually Be honest with ourselves and identify with being middle class in spirit. 
where we recognize that like we couldn't have got ourselves to where we are completely by ourselves. Like we did have to have God's help. But I wonder if we would check the recesses of our heart, if we might find there, just even in a crevice, that there was a little bit of us, we think, that was required to get us to where we are today. And one of the ways you can know that's there is because the way we operate today as is as though that there is still something in us that's required to get us to where we need to be tomorrow. So if, you, if we live in today, like we, what is in us is needed to get us to where we were, are, where we need to be tomorrow, it's evidence that, that, that where we are today, we believe we were required to get us there. So I wonder if we would identify with being middle class in spirit. Let me give you a definition of middle class, though, to try to make it, make it plain. This is the definition I found. It, it talked about middle class, this is financially speaking, in three categories. They say this is how you know you're middle class. Cash, credentials, and culture. Three categories it used to define it, cash, credentials, and culture. Cash being that if you're middle class, you have enough cash so that you can comfortably have a good distance between you and poverty so that there could not be some type of unfortunate incident that could then push you back into poverty, i.e., you're not really worried that if your car breaks down, you all of a sudden aren't going to know how to eat because you're good. Like you've, you've, you've created enough space in your life so that there's a comfortable distance between you and poverty. That's cash, credentials. Think about occupation and education. It said that with credentials in the middle class, a very common and comfortable opening statement is this. When you meet somebody, what do you do? It would be too taboo to say, how much money do you make? So we say, what do you do? But we feel comfortable enough asking that question because we feel comfortable with the answer in us to kind of put ourselves in some sort of rung. That's kind of how we categorize ourselves. Also education. You'll notice in the language it's always after college, after college, after college, which is some sort of credential marker. The next one, culture. So talked a lot of different things about middle class culture, aspiration for travel, for future opportunities, kids safety, adventure. But here's one that I found interesting. They said in the middle class there's a certain perception of self that they are a good person. Not that they're the best person, just a good person. And there's ample time for recreation, which we won't get into that in a second. So now let's make that be middle class in spirit. You with me? You following me? You with me? Y'all in? All right, all right. Middle class in spirit. Cash. We don't pray like we need God's cash. We take God's help if he's really, if we really, really need it, but we don't ask like that. We don't ask like a beggar. We don't ask like that persistent widow. Instead, look, 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 we put enough distance between us and spiritual poverty that we're not going to ask God like that unless we really need it. But truthfully, we know that we can kind of get ourselves to where we need to be spiritually. So we ain't going to be on our knees praying like we need God to intervene for us. Being like that, that man with the sign saying, I need God's help. I need God to move. I need God to work. I'm desperate. 
The, Jesus literally tells us to pray like a persistent widow who's in need of justice with what the Bible says is this, shameless audacity. You, you know what poor in spirit people do? You know what poor in spirit people do? They are regularly on their knees asking God to work. Some of y'all know because you got a spiritual mama like that who be in her prayer closet, just on her knees, asking and asking and asking and begging and begging and begging because they know that there's nothing in themselves that they can do or provide for themselves, so they have to ask someone outside of themselves to provide for themselves. So one way to know if we middle class in spirit is just honestly to go, all right, let me check my prayer life. What does it look like? I'll be asking God like that. I'll be getting on my knees like that. If not, maybe we middle class in spirit. Y'all didn't like that one. Credentials. (laughs) We don't live like we need God's resume. We'd much rather talk about what we've done than what God has done for us. So think about the nature of our conversations and what is common. I mean, you just know, like, I heard a comedian do this a long time ago on the Meme Monster just talking about himself. It's like one of the funniest sketches, I think Brian Reagan, I don't know. Um, but it's just like you hear our conversations and how much they're talking about just what I have done. My, all these things about me. And that is often the thing we want to talk about the most, don't we? All the things we've done, the things we've accomplished, who we, like all that. And it's not that, I'm not trying to say all that's bad. But what I am saying is for many of us who are middle class in spirit, that is where our resume is. Instead of looking to Jesus for our resume, knowing that there is nothing in us truthfully worthy of even discussion. But when we think about what God has done for us, we go, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what he's done. Instead, we are busy oftentimes thinking about not only what we have done, but how to use our resume to get us to where we want to be. Amen? Like, like how to develop our 401k, how to, how, to, how to work on our house, how to get advancements in our job. And that's what we're motivated by rather than being motivated by what God has already done for us and what he's going to continue to do in the world. Much less, I was thinking about it, I was like... Ain't any of us trying to be like radically generous so we just have to constantly live in a place of God's resume. Where we literally would actually take notches down in regards to actual poverty or financial advancement so that we live in a constant place of dependence. How many of us dream about how generous we could be to to strategically plan and think about, could I be this generous one day? And then if I was this generous, and I'm, I'm not talking about making more money so that you can be more generous. That's what you're thinking. Like, you think about one day I could make more, I'm just talking about being more generous. Anybody like, what if I spent less money here so I could give more? But that's not what we talk about. Y'all like that one worse. Culture, this is the least favorite one. Aspirations for future opportunity and adventure and pleasure. I think like most of us see ourselves as a good person. I just, I think that's one of the biggest problems for a lot of us is spiritually we just think we're, we're not great. But we're not terrible. Like we're decent. Like I'm a decent human being. 
do we know what the Bible says about our spiritual state before Christ? It says we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live. When we followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in all those who are disobedient, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. God's like, we were by nature objects. We were deserving of wrath. Good person? Understanding our spiritual poverty starts with understanding our great depravity. That we we were anything but a good person. Everything but a good person, actually. Like, 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 we needed it. And still now, apart from Christ, today, apart from Christ, we are still nothing without Jesus. We are not slowly adding a little bit to Jesus' finished work on the cross. It's finished. It's finished. We're not adding to it. He don't need nothing. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus plus nothing. We here hanging out, we, all we do is add negative value, good thing to cross, and his righteousness messes that up and makes it positive. But, like, we add nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I had to hit that recreation one, though. Ample time for recreation. We, uh, in essentials, one of the things we say at the end, we're like, hey, um, well, hold, let me say this verse. Um, <laughs> so, like, middle class people, we love to recreate, right? And I know we're all busy. You're like, I don't get to, you know, I don't play golf as much as I want to. I get you. You know, I know. <laughs> but, like, we, all, we talk in experience, like, we love experiences. Where were you? I was going over here this weekend. I was traveling here. I was doing this. I like experiences, too. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's what we do, experiences. So one of the things we say in Essentials at the end, it's a membership class. We're like, hey, we would like for you to consider um, making Sunday morning worship a priority. So, like, if you're going somewhere from the weekend, like a wedding or a Clemson game, um, <laughs> the two things our people do on, Sunday, on Saturdays. <laughs> if you go to one of those two things, I'm kidding. This, we love South Carolina fans. Literally, we have two graduates on our staff. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but we invite you to come back early and, and come to church. And people are like, what? I'm supposed to leave early? It's like foreign. It's like such a weird concept. Here's why I say that. Why, why would that matter at all? That matters as an example. Like, I'm not talking legalism. I'm talking about as an example. Why, why would that be conducive or related to poverty and spirit? Because when we're poor in spirit, one of the things we recognize is, is we need the corporate gathering of the saints. I'm talking about we need, because of what Kiwan was even saying this morning, like this is a place in which it, say, it says in the end of Ephesians chapter 2, in which God is building us together like a temple in which his spirit dwells. Yes, his spirit dwells in us individually, but his spirit dwells uniquely in us corporately. And so the reason we need the corporate gathering is because here is where we can taste and see in a unique way the blessings and the goodness of God, of Jehovah, of, of Yahweh. This is what we need. And so why come back early? Because you're poor. And you need to be filled up. Why read the Bible? Why pray? Why do this stuff? Because we recognize our poverty in spirit. If we think it's legalism, I'm telling you this is completely backwards. It first starts with understanding our poverty in spirit, and then we start going, God, I need some godly government assistance, right? Right? 
I need some heavenly handouts. I need some spiritual food stamps. Anybody want some spiritual food stamps? Like I need my spiritual food. I need to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what I need to eat. What does it say? Jesus say, man, don't live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, I need my spiritual food stamps. That's what we need. It's hard to get your gift from God. Both your hands is full. Jesus begins his kingdom manifesto and says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those whose life is lacking, disposition is destitute, who recognize that the thing that animates their whole body, that, that dictates how their heart feels, their mind thinks, and their hands do, when that thing is lacking. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One of the cool things about these nine Beatitudes, if you look at them, if you have your Bible in front of you, it's, it's worth it. You got nine blessings, almost all of them, the four then becomes future. Ble here's what I mean. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be, future tense, comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will Future tense, inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Future tense. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Future tense. But look at our beatitude this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What tense is that? Tell me. It's present tense. Isn't that good news? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is mentioned 29 times in Matthew's gospel account. Some would say it's the controlling theme of Matthew's gospel. It's happened two times before our verse today. Kingdom of heaven has been said two times before our verse today. One is in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist comes into the scene. And he says this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then we see it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus' first sermon ever, first thing out of his mouth according to, first sermon out of his mouth according to Matthew, says this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The exact same thing John the Baptist said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's broken in. It's now. Jesus comes. He's asserting his authority. He's asserting, asserting the fact that the already, not yet, it's, been, it's come forth. Jesus is changing the things. Now God's rule is advancing. It's, it's coming over. It's, it's, it's busting in. And, and now we're going to see things and experiencing his provision in a way we've never experienced. His laws, his rules, his regulations in a gracious way, in a way we've never experienced. For the kingdom of heaven is now. And I wonder if you know it's now. It's here. It's for us to experience not only in the future, but in the present through Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, he says. And so Matthew, or sorry, John the Baptist and Jesus first say, repent, turn. 
Family, I think today is a great day to repent of our spiritual middle-classness and start to embrace spiritual poverty. You want to be poor? To repent of our spiritual middle-classness and start to embrace spiritual poverty. Here's another thing you need to know about spiritual poverty. Is it's not something you become. It's something you recognize you already are. It don't matter how much money in your bank account. It does not matter how many cars you have, houses you have. It doesn't matter if you are wealthy or you are poor or you are middle class. You standing before a holy God are the most poor of people. And the only way you become rich is through him. Today is a great day to repent. To put away all those ways in which we're trying to live autonomous and individualistic lives. To trying to build our resume. To try to operate on our spiritual class. Like, I was thinking about it. I was like, how do I help us all embrace our spiritual poverty? And here's the answer I came up with. I have no idea. I was like, I just got to ask the Holy Spirit to do it. I literally don't know what to do. I think we all do, right? We just have to go, God, help me repent. I can't. I'm so poor in spirit, I cannot repent without your intervention. I cannot turn from my spiritual middle classness unless you just open up my eyes. Like, literally, I need the Holy Spirit to regenerate me to even have faith in the first place. Like, I can't do it unless you do it for me. We can't repent without him. But here's the beautiful thing is it's nothing in us that gets us anywhere. So when we start holding out our hands... What we understand is when we hold out our hands and say, God, I, I want to I be spiritually poor so I might receive your blessing and enjoy, gladly accept the kingdom rule. When we start to hold out our hands, what we might not understand, we might think we're doing it, but truthfully, the Holy Spirit has gone before us to give us the desire to hold out our hands in the first place. You notice? When we go back and get prayer, it's because we might be prompted, but we're prompted. It's not just us going. Even if it feels like it's just discipline or just obedience, it's because actually the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 I want him today. I want her today. I want them to go back now. I want to call them into spiritual poverty that they might understand how blessed they are to be my child. Let me read you this parable that Jesus tells in Luke 18, and I think this is a great illustration of spiritual poverty. <clears throat> it says this. <laughs> you like the context. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Like, you don't want to be the, the recipients. <laughs> All right. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Notice they're both going to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Like, like honestly, we look at it, we, some of you are familiar with this, and you kind of already know what's going to happen, but that don't necessarily sound like the worst prayer. He's like, I, I, I'm thankful for the situation I'm in. God, I'm thankful for all that you gave me. 
I'm thankful that I'm like this. And I even give a ten, I'm thankful. He, he's thank, the, the lens of the prayer is thankfulness. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified. Everybody say justified. justified. Before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I intentionally say godly government assistance, heavenly handouts, and spiritual food stamps to be somewhat offensive to some of you. Because we have kind of been trained in, well, some of us have been trained to think that we, you know what I'm saying, we're good Americans. I'm supposed to get my bootstraps, which I don't know where the bootstraps are. But you, you pick yourself up by them, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have gotten to where you are because of the work that you have put in. That's you. That's us. That's me. Let me tell you, that is the antithesis of the gospel. And if we think we're supposed to have our, our spiritual gospel over here, that's how this works. And then the world works differently over here. That's not true. Because when is the kingdom of heaven? What tense? It's in present tense, family. It's now. We are supposed to understand that everything that has happened to us, that will happen for us, all of this is a grace of God. That I'm in need of God in every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day for the rest of my life. That I can't even look up to heaven because I recognize that I'm a sinner. And so I just have to say, God have mercy. And the only way my eyes will be cast up in boldness to God is if the Father looks down and he lifts my chin. That's the only way my head gets casted up. The only way I, I stand in boldness before the Father is if Jesus has gone before us, like it says in Hebrews. He is our great high priest who always intercedes on our behalf, who never dies. He is the one who makes a way for us when there was no way. He is the one who's gone before us to protect us so that we might enjoy the kingdom of heaven. This is your God. And I'm just going to tell you, it is a much better way to live on heavenly handouts than our own effort. It's so much better. There's a lightness to it. There's a grace to it. There, there's, there's a joy to it. There's a way in which the anxieties and depressions of our life start to even have a lightness to it because we, we recognize that, that they exist, that we might recognize our poverty and in our poverty ask for God. That even when our circumstances, we actually are financially poor and we wish we had more, we realize that the, the financial destitution in a way is a grace because what it allows me to see is it allows me to see that I am constantly in need of God's provision. I mean, that is why Jesus says it is harder for a rich man to enter heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle because the physical reality helps us learn things and understand things about the spiritual. God's made those two things connected. We shouldn't disconnect those. 
He doesn't say it's impossible. He says later in that text, all things are possible with God. So it is possible for sure, but we have to understand that that no matter our condition, we must recognize as we look at the poor man that their, their physical condition is an illustration of our spiritual situation. The stuff starts to change when we start to embrace the kingdom worldview. We start to recognize our poverty. We start to more readily embrace what Jesus says in Mark 2, 17. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I mean, something starts to change because in us, when we start to recognize our poverty and spirit, we start to come, I think, more hungry and, and expecting God to work. Like we start to think he must show up. Like, like our day, like regardless of the day, like we go, I need him. I need him right now. And we start to anticipate him to work. We start to ask him things that, that we could never do for ourselves because we know that we don't have it in us to produce it. And then we get to see his kingdom rule, his kingdom provision in our life. We start to stop having to prove ourselves. Like our resume starts to become irrelevant. And like, this is, this is for somebody out there. You, you just become kind of unoffendable. Some of us are so offendable because we care so much about our resume. And that's why our feelings get hurt all the time. Like you, we hurt all the time because we're insecure about our resume. Because someone's not going to know we did this or accomplish this. Or they're going to kind of look at us down, whatever. But when we start to embrace the resume of Christ. But that's different. Like, you want to touch his resume? Do you know him? I don't think you know him. It just starts to shift in us. Banny, come back up. Let me hit you with three direct applications. <clears throat> Y'all pray and be out. Some things for you to embrace your spiritual poverty today. First is, I'm going to do cash credentials and culture. Cash, start living on Christ's credit card. Y'all didn't like that. Start living on Christ's credit card. Ask him for money. I'm not Physical money maybe, but I'm just talking about pray different. Start like asking him to do things that you could never do without him. Because some of us be, be praying like safe prayers. You know what I'm saying? And really like you praying something, but then you about to go, you're like, you know you can do it. Like it's like, it's like no, you need to pray a prayer that you go like, I know I can't do it. Now there's a recognition when you realize you can't do anything. That's where you really want to be. But you got to start praying and asking him. I mean, even, even thinking about community group, so, some of y'all, listen. So, so, sorry. Some of y'all in group, like the reason you have a bad group is not because the group's bad. It's because you are not doing it right. You are not coming in there poor. You're coming in there middle class. And so you just want them to give you more money, more ideas, more insight. You want your leader to be this like spiritual guru. You ain't coming in there going, I need this person to pray for me. If you need them to pray for you, it don't even matter how spiritually mature they are. You're just like, I need them to ask God on my behalf. And then group starts getting better. For real. <laughs> Credentials. You need to start living in the Christ resume. Man. Start taking on all the things that he says are yours because of him. Galatians 2.20 says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that through him I might become the righteousness 
of God. What it says in Ephesians chapter 1 is that we are saints, that we are holy, that we are blameless. What starts to happen is we start to put the attributes of Christ on us and we start walking different. We start living different. There's a different level of power in us because we realize we are powerless. Culture. You're not a good person. Neither am I. We have to look to the one person who is. To realize that there's one great person. His name's Jesus Christ. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. As it says in 2 Corinthians, he who was rich became poor so that through him we might become rich. Jesus Christ is the rich one, living in splendor next to the Father with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Like, they, I don't even know what it would have been like, the kingdom. But that's how they are, and Jesus decided to lay all that down and to make himself poor by being found in human appearance. And he did that for a purpose that we might know that that Jesus is the one who had no place to lay his head. He knows what it is to be a man of sorrows and to be acquainted with grief. This is Jesus, and he became poor that we might become rich, that we might realize it is his power and his love and his grace that makes us new, that renews us. So, family, I just want to say I believe today is a good day to repent of our spiritual middle-classness and to embrace spiritual poverty that we might reach out for godly government assistance. Pray with me, Father God. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you would pour out your great blessings on us. We pray today that you would open all of our eyes to our spiritual poverty. We need help. I need help. It's so easy to live in a so easy to live like middle class spiritually. So easy to live for myself and my own agenda and to think about my wants and desires. It's so weird to think that I need to let go of my life so that I can extend my hands in an open way so that I can be ready to receive your grace. But I just pray today would be a day like that in the life of Grace City Church. That today would be a day where you take this to people even in this room, the 1115 service, and you start to make us a, a truly needy, dependent people. Like, I pray today would be a day where we, we actually run back to get prayer. And we know that there is always a way for us to receive prayer and, and to ask for help. Like, I pray that would be today. And it would start today, but go on for forever. I, Jesus, may we be needy, needy people, knowing that you are the one who fills us up your power and by your grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.